and uh, we've got the right prescription for 2020 this year. I want to help you have a good 2020. I want to help you have a great 2020. I want to help you have a prosperous 2020. And the next three weeks, I'm going to be trying to get it into your spirits how you accomplish that as a child of God. Uh, because I don't know if you know this, but we don't think like the world. We don't live like the world. Come on. We don't pursue like the world. And sometimes that's our problem. We're going to talk about that today. This is part one, and this is to know Jesus. To know Jesus. This is obviously the time of the year where we evaluate last year, 2019. You sit down, you think about what happened, and uh, then you think about what you want to happen in 2020. And uh, people make goals and resolutions. How many of you are good at making goals? There's nothing wrong with making goals. I make goals. I write them down, and I think have things that I want to see happen and accomplish. In fact, I think that's a good thing uh, because your life needs some direction, amen. You need to know where you want to go because if you have no idea where you're going, you may end up anywhere. Come on. Maybe, maybe that's why, looking back, maybe that's why you've ended up anywhere is because you've had no direction in your life. You just kind of let whatever happens, happens. Uh, and a lot of people live that way, but... Uh, you know, this is the time where people decide they're going to lose weight, they're going to save money, uh, you know, they're going to they're, they're gonna read the Bible every day, they're going to do whatever they uh, long to do to make life better. And that's a good thing. Uh, the problem is, is that seldom is there ever real genuine change. We know that, right? We, we talk about this a lot at this time of year, how that people make resolutions and they last for a little while and then they die out. And I want to help you understand why that is and help you change that. Uh, so that you can actually make some progress in your life. Uh, the problem is we usually have the wrong goals, and we go about the wrong way of trying to achieve those goals. Come on. And, and it's funny, every year I hear people talk about how the year that's ending sucked, how it was terrible, it was awful. What an awful year, what an awful year. And can I tell you, I've had years where there were challenges, but I've never had a bad year because you're thinking about things wrong. Uh, let me just throw a little tidbit out for you. If you had challenges this year, you had a good year because God is stretching you through your challenges. Come on, you're thinking about it wrong. If you want to say it was a tough year, okay. If you want to say uh, there were challenges in the year, if you want to say it was a year where everything wasn't rosy for me, that's fine. But don't say God didn't do something in your life because he did. In fact, some of the best years you've ever had are the ones where you had the most trouble. Come on, I'm getting in your business now, ain't I? Every year, people talk about what a bad year it is, and then, then they express hope that next year is going to be different. 2020 is going to be different. And we, we say it like, it's gonna, 2020 is going to be a great year, as if we say it strongly enough that somehow we're going to lose weight, and, and we're going to get rich, and we're going to save money, and we're going to get a new career, and we're going to meet the, the girl or guy of our dreams. You know, it's like... If we just say it the right way, strongly enough, then everything is going to work out. And the problem is, once again, uh, that doesn't really change anything just because you declare it. Come on. It doesn't change anything. There has to be some faith that goes along with it. And a lot of people, once again, they have the wrong goals and they're focused in the wrong direction. They're trying to accomplish them in the wrong power. Uh, now, you might think to yourself, but pastor, how can I have the wrong goals? It's my life. Shouldn't I pick the goals that I want? Shouldn't I get what I want? And my answer to that is, yes, it is your life, and you get to choose. But my job today is to change what you want. 
so that you want something different. Amen? People have the wrong goals, and I'm trying to help you move from uh, maybe pursuing some of the frivolous things of this earth to something that's more lasting. Come on, somebody. Most people have the wrong goals, and they have the wrong approach to arriving at their goals. Now, you maybe think, Pastor, isn't it my job to change things in my life? I mean, I read the meme on Facebook that said it was my job to change things in my life. And, and yes, in a sense, it is your job, but I want to help you change who you're trusting in to get that accomplished. So number one, we've got to change what our wants are. And number two, we've got to change how we accomplish those things in Christ. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. Philippians 3, I'm going to read with you verses 1 through 11. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. There's something you can chew on for a while. When you get mad, remember Philippians 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me and is a safeguard to you. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of false circumcision, for we... Are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now, so he's watching. He's watching the church and he's seeing people who are trusting in the flesh. They're trusting in their own abilities, their own powers. They have their own desires and their own wants. And he's warning them, hey, these are false prophets. These are dogs coming in who are trying to cause problems. We don't have any confidence in the flesh. You following what his message is here? We are of the spirit of God and we have no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence in the flesh. And now he goes on to give his little fleshly earthly resume. He says, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As to zeal, I persecuted the church. As to righteousness, which is in the law, I was found blameless. But whatever things these were gained to me, those things I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. Are you following me? He's saying, look, if we want to talk about earthly things, I'm, I'm the one you should look to. I've had success. I've accomplished things. I have been there. I've done that. I've got the pedigree. I've got the doctorate degree. I've got it all down. I have lived the part. If you want to look in the flesh, I got stuff to brag about. And yet, I've counted all as loss for the sake of Jesus. Hallelujah. Whatever those things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. I don't have a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is found through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. This is your goal for 2020. Number one goal right here that you need to have. If you want 2020 to be a success, make your goal what Paul's goal is, and that is to know Jesus Christ. 
to know Jesus Christ. If you already know him, if you're his child, your goal should be to know him more. Amen. God, God is this incredible, wonderful God. And your desire, your number one goal should not be to have more money. It should not be to uh, be thin or be healthier. It should not be to meet the right partner and get married and have kids. Your goal, number one, should be to know Jesus more. And we're going to talk about how that is going to transform your life. But first, I want you to think about this. Who is Jesus anyway? Let's just stop for a moment and think about who Jesus is. The son of the living God. Come on. We're talking about Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. He is what the Bible says is the alpha and omega. In other words, he's A to Z. He's the beginning and the end, which means this. He transcends time. God always has been and he always will be. Come on, get your mind around that for a moment. Hallelujah. You can go as far as you want to go back in time and he is. You can go as far ahead as you want to go in time and he is. Amen. Hallelujah. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the creator of everything. There is nothing created that Jesus Christ didn't create. Come on. Every molecule he understands completely and knows intimately. And you get into the, the grand expanse of space. You can travel a billion light years away and find some faraway planet. And he knows that planet because he made it, right? And he understands every grain of sand, every rock, everything that's there. Every place you go, he's been there because he made it all. We're talking about this Jesus. He is the beginning, the end, the creator of all, and he is the savior of the world. This is what blows my mind, is that all of that, the beginning, the end, always has, always will be, created everything, has all knowledge and all power, one day decided because he loved you and me, he was going to come down to this earth and limit himself into the form of one human person. Come on. Doesn't that just blow your mind that the God of heaven and earth came here for you? And you know what? This great God of heaven and earth that has all power, all knowledge, all things within his hand wants you to know him. That just blows me away. That God wants me to know him. That he's gone to great lengths to reveal himself to me. He wants me to know him. Do you know that Jesus speaks? You can hear his voice. Many times the Bible says, he that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. Now, most people have ears on their head, right? He's not talking about these. He's talking about in your spirit, having spiritual ears, hearing what the Spirit has to say. Jesus is talking today for those who spiritually are listening. He wants to talk to you today, and you can hear him. People can hear his voice. They can see his face. Did you know that you can behold the glory of God? Not with these eyes necessarily yet, but with the eyes of the spirit. When you get a sense of Jesus in your spirit and you feel you're looking into the glory of God. I kind of feel like during praise and worship and prayer this morning, some of us were looking into the glory of God with our spiritual eyes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He has a voice we can hear. He has a face we can see. And he still reaches out to touch people. Glory to his name. Have you ever been touched by the Lord? Oh, man, I tell you what, I've been touched by God at times in my life. I've been touched by the Lord in my body, in my spirit, in my life. I still feel his touch from time to time where I know he's with me always. But there are some times where he just makes his presence known. Amen. 
And I'm so grateful for that today. We have the opportunity to hear his voice, see his face, and feel his touch. And I'm still blown away by the fact that the God of heaven and earth wants me to know him. That he loved Mylon Avery so much that he went to great lengths so that I could hear his voice and see his face and feel his touch. That I could sit in his presence and come to know him more. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So my first and most important goal of 2020 is this, to know him more. Can I tell you that when 2019 started, I knew Jesus. But as 2020 begins, I know him more. Amen. I've gotten greater revelation of who he is. I've tasted and I've seen more of who God is. I have a greater faith and love for him than I did before. It's not that I didn't have faith before. It's that my glory has grown in him. Hallelujah. My faith in him has grown and my understanding has grown in him. And when we get to the end of 2020, I'm going to say the same thing because my goal is to know Jesus. Amen. Come on, somebody. That ought to be the goal of our hearts. The more we know him, the more we want to know him more. Did you catch that? He's one of those things that's addictive, that as you get to know him, you want to know him more. So if knowing Jesus is so awesome and so incredible and it's the most important part of our lives, why is it that so many Christians seem to have no interest in knowing Jesus? And you know how I can tell they have no interest in knowing Jesus? Because they don't read the word, they don't pray, they don't come to church. They, they, uh, they don't really live any differently than the world lives. And they don't think or feel any differently than the world lives. And they don't really have a hunger. You know what, people, when we hunger for something, we go after it. Come on. When we're hungry for air, we will do anything in our power to breathe. When we're hungry for water, we will move heaven and earth to get water. When we're hungry for a cheeseburger, come on, somebody. We will spend money we don't have, drive to a place that's far away so we can have a hamburger that we want. You know what? If you're really hungry for God, you'd go after him. But you know why a lot of Christians aren't really hungry for God? Because they're still playing with the stuff of the earth. They're still playing with money. They're still playing with houses. They're still playing with relationships. They're still playing uh, with their careers. They're They're so busy playing with the stuff of the world, they don't have time for Jesus. Now, look, I didn't come to tell you that your goals about your career are bad. I didn't come to tell you that your goals about your body are bad. I didn't come to tell you that your goals about your finances are bad. I came to tell you that those can't be your first, that knowing Jesus has to come before everything else in your life. Come on. Paul had some earthly success. He came from the right family. He went to the right school. He did the right things. And if he wanted to, he could brag about those things. He could say, well, you know what? You ought to listen to me. You ought to follow me because I've done this and I've done that. And I've been to school and I've got my degree. And I am a Pharisee of Pharisee. And I am a Jew of Jews. And you ought to look at my earthly success. But Paul said, once I got a taste of Jesus, all that stuff became like nothing to me. Listen, all that stuff became like nothing to me. 
Listen, that song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Derek talked about it today. He almost preached my sermon because he was saying, look, when you get a taste of Jesus, all the stuff you've been worried about doesn't matter anymore. Hallelujah. The problems seem small. Hallelujah. The desires of the flesh seem to go away when you get in the presence of Jesus. Paul said, when I got a taste of Jesus, all this other stuff I had pursued became meaningless. English to me. Woo, that's good stuff. He said, I count it as loss. What do you mean loss? He means it was a loss for me to pursue the stuff I pursued. I wasted my time and I wasted my energy. And I wonder how many of us have wasted time and energy pursuing the stuff of the world instead of pursuing Jesus. We've been so busy chasing the stuff of the world, we forgot to pursue the one who owns the world. Come on. We forgot to pursue the one who is the foundation of our life. So it isn't so much that Paul had bad goals. It's that he simply built them on the wrong foundation. Come on, let me say that again to you. It's not that you have bad goals. It's that if you don't put Jesus first, you will build him on the wrong foundation. So what did Paul do? He had built this life that wasn't built on Jesus. You know what he had to do? He had to tear everything down. That's why he said it's all a loss. He had to tear all of his life, his past, his education, his experience, all of his work. He had to tear it all down so that he could rebuild life the way it was supposed to be on this foundation. I want to know Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And boy, Paul built a life. He built a life. Paul went from being in himself to being in Christ. Christian, some of you need to get out of yourself and get in Christ. Come on. What does it mean to be in yourself? Well, when Paul was in himself, it was my life, my goals, and my effort. And that's where a lot of Christians live. They're in their goals is my life. This is what I want to have. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Can I tell you something? A lot of times the reason we have bad goals, we, th- we think we know what's best for us. And most of us, I don't care how old you are, you don't know what's best for you. Right? It's like life is continually taking us to a place where there's 25 possible places we could go. And we think we know what's best, but the truth is we don't know where the end of any one of those roads leads. Come on. And to a lot of us, the reason we're in a mess today It's because we took a wrong road yesterday. And you know, once we begin to realize that we don't even know what's best for ourselves, we should begin to trust God to lead us where we need to go. Come on. Come on. You know, there's comfort in saying, I don't know where life is going to take me because I trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. You can have goals. You can have a direction. You can have a focus. You know what? The Bible says that man plans his ways, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And that's the way we ought to live. Make yourself a plan. Make yourself some goals, but trust that God is going to guide you where you need to go. Come on. Is anybody getting something out of this today? You see, when it's in yourself, it's about you. And that's where the roller coaster ride comes in. You get sick of being on the roller coaster? You know, like, roller coaster rides are short for a reason. Because if you were on them for a long time, you'd get sick. And life is like that, too. It's like if you, the highs 
and then the lows, and then the highs, and then the lows. And after a while, you just get tired of it. I mean, it seems like everything's good, and then all of a sudden, boom, you go right back down again. And don't you get sick of living in the roller coaster kind of life? And you know, the reason you're living in the roller coaster kind of life is because you're living in yourself and not in Christ. There's no stability in your flesh. That's why Paul said, don't put any confidence in your flesh. Don't think to yourself that I'm going to get smart and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to make my life better and people better and my finances better. That's the wrong way to approach it. What you need to do is say, I'm going to pursue Jesus and he's going to guide me where I need to go. When you're in yourself, you're on the roller coaster ride and it leads to little or no results. Come on, we know what it's like to save some money and then all of a sudden you have to spend it on something. Come on, we know what it's like to lose a little weight and then McRibs come out again <laughs> and, you got, and you just put it right back on. We know what it's like to have a positive attitude for a period of time and then we go right back to seeing the world in a negative way because we're constantly focusing on ourselves and what we can do. It's what I want. It's my effort. I'm going to make it happen. And if we include God, what we say is, God, please come down here and make what I want to happen, happen. But Paul said, I've left being in me. I'm not in myself anymore. I am in Christ. What does being in Christ mean? It means it's his will. Let that sink in. Let me just help you for a minute. The Bible says that the flesh part of you is almost always contrary to the spirit part of you. So what that means is that most of what your flesh, your mind, your emotions, your body wants to do is the opposite of what God wants to do. So when you think that every wish and desire you have is God, think again. Come on. If you think when you're emotional, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not your emotions. And thank God for that. Come on. Listen, your flesh will want to take you to the left, but God's will will want to take you to the right. Hallelujah. And how do you know God's will? It's in his word, first of all. Don't say, I don't know, Jesus isn't speaking, I don't know what to do, if you don't read his word. Come on. Getting into his word is what really matters. Paul wasn't concerned about what other people said or what even he wanted. What he was concerned about is what God wanted and what he said. He trusted in the word of God. And it also wasn't in Paul's effort. Being in Christ means I'm not going to be the one that's going to do it. I'm going to trust in Christ who's already done it. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm going to look back at what Jesus has already done, and I'm going to place my faith in that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you know what? I approach 2020 with this thought. I want to know Jesus, and it's his power, and it's his word, and it's his will. I don't even know what should be right for me. So I'm going to let him guide me where he wants to guide me. Amen. I'm going to let him empower me, and I'm going to do the best I can, but it's really not me anyway, because any good thing you see me do is the Holy Spirit that lives within me. Come on, somebody. The work's already been done. You need to get out of yourself and get in Christ. Can I tell you something? It's a better life. It's a better life. You think that happiness is pursuing happiness. You know, the most miserable people that I've ever met in my life are the ones who will do anything to be happy. 
They'll steal, they'll beg, they'll, they'll sacrifice their family, they'll leave their husbands or wives for somebody new, they'll move to new cities, they'll do everything. They're not afraid to risk or lose anything because they're pursuing happiness. And you know why they never find it? Because Jesus said this, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life away for me, you'll find what life is really about. You catching this? My goal in 2020 is to get out of me and get into him. Hallelujah. Is to have myself seated in Christ. Do you know what? Everything I need, the Bible says, for righteousness and godliness is already given to me in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's already in me. I've just got to learn to trust in it and have faith in it. Come on. Hallelujah. Paul went from being in himself to being in Christ. He said, my entire life is built on this. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. Do I want a bigger house? Yeah, sometimes I want a bigger house. Sometimes we have a, you know, a lot of grandkids over and it gets noisy and I'd like to have a, 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 you know, a bigger house where I could go away and couldn't hear them somewhere. I'd like to have a swimming pool sometimes. I'd like to have a fancy car. Sometimes I'd like to have a, a BMW you know, and just uh, be slick and looking like I'm something. You know, I'd, like to, I'd like to have the wind blowing through my hair. Uh, <laughs> that singular hair, you know. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I'd like a lot of things, but you know what I want more than all of that? I just want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him more than I've known him before. He said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to know what victory is like when Jesus rose from the dead. Can you stop and just imagine for a moment the demons and devils rejoicing as Jesus is laid in the tomb and it seems like all is going their way. They have thwarted God's plan of Christianity. Then all of a sudden they hear a knock on the door down in the depths of the earth and it's the son of God and he's come to take the keys of death, hell and the grave away and he's come to defeat sin for us. Hallelujah. 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 And can you imagine the joy in heaven as the stone is rolled away and the Son of God rises alive? That's my victory. I want to know that. I want to rest in that. I want to have my faith in Jesus' victory today. Paul said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. He didn't stop there, though. He said, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul said, I've lost all of this other stuff for the sake of Jesus, and I'm willing to make the trade. Look at the life of Jesus. He came to earth perfect. He lived a perfect life. And you know what he did? His perfect life earned him anything he could ever want, right? I mean, he was already God, but he was obedient in life. He could have done anything he wanted. You know what he did with his perfect life, Derek? He gave it away. Come on. Some of you, this is the cycle of Christianity. It is to grow and become and achieve all for God to say, okay, everything I've given you now, go give it away. And once again, it's not a loss because every sacrifice you made is a seed. Jesus said, look, I'm like a seed. When I get planted, I'm going to produce a harvest for the kingdom. So when we sacrifice and we fellowship in his sufferings, what we're doing is we're sowing seed for the kingdom of God. I want my life to be a giant seed that just keeps getting sown over and over again so that people can know Jesus the way I know him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings to the point that I become like he is.
I don't know about you, but I'm trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> I'm trying to be like Jesus. I'm trying to live like him, talk like him, have faith like him. I'm trying to affect people and affect the world like he did. Look, I know I've got a big goal. I know that that's a, a task that I will never accomplish. But if I'm pushing in the right direction, he will help me. Because something marvelous happens when we begin to really know Jesus. It's called communion. What do you think of when I say communion? Juice and crackers, right? Once a, once a month at church, juice and crackers. No, that's just what it represents. Communion. Jesus said, look, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can have no part with me. And people freaked out. What do you mean? You want us to actually eat you? No, he was talking spiritually. What he was saying was, if you don't take me into yourself, we will not be one. You know what knowing Jesus does? It gets Jesus in you. And it gets you in Jesus. And communion is this thing where all of a sudden you can't tell where Christ starts and where you begin. And, and it's this wonderful thing where every day you wake up and Jesus, and you look back and you say, wow, that was you. God, I didn't even realize that you were doing that in my life. Because you and Jesus become one. When you fellowship in his sufferings and fellowship in his resurrection, you become one with Christ in such a way that it changes who you are. I can tell you that I loved Jesus with all of my heart when I was younger. I can tell you that I loved him and I pursued him and I pursued works and I did what I could to serve him and I know he used me, but today I love him even more and I know him even more and I am ready to sacrifice even more this day. And my goal in 2020 is to know Jesus more. Listen, I've tasted the world and I've tasted Jesus and I want more of Jesus, amen? I want more of Jesus. I want my life and everything about me to be built on Jesus Christ so how did we get to know Jesus I mean a guy who lived actually physically on the earth a long time ago how do you get to know Jesus well it's in the disciplines there are some disciplines to the Christian faith and this is where I'm going to lose a lot of people because once again you remember when the disciples were sleeping in the garden Jesus said couldn't you pray with me just for an hour and they fell asleep and what, what did he say he said the spirit's willing but the flesh is weak. He was saying, look, inside of you, the spirit in you wants to pray and stay with me and sacrifice and do the right thing. But your flesh is weak. Come on. Do we relate to that or not? Huh? Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And so there are some disciplines of the faith that you have to overcome the flesh to get to. Amen. And what I mean is these are some of the things that are the best things for you in Christianity, but there's almost always an initial resistance to them in your flesh. Come on, you hearing me? You don't want to do them in your flesh, but you want to do them in your spirit. And you must make your flesh do what your spirit wants to do. These are the disciplines of the Christian faith. And we live in a time, before I get into them, we live in a time where people, don't, people aren't disciplined at all. They just do whatever they feel like doing. That's why they spend money when they want. They go to church when they want. They go to work when they want. Uh, they just do whatever they want, whatever they feel like doing. And then they wonder why their life is accomplishing nothing. Can I tell you something? You will never accomplish anything good in life if you just do what you want when you want. And I mean nothing. Everything is going to require a level of discipline. Jesus called his 12 followers 
His mentees, the people he was mentoring, he called them disciples because he expected them to have a discipline about how they lived. Here are the disciplines. Get in the word of God. Come on. Now, most people I know don't like to read. But you know what? That's, that's an excuse because you can listen to the Bible on tape now if you want to. On, a, on your phone, they'll, they'll, the phone, I mean, it's a British guy. Uh, it sounds cool. Or you can pick other voices. And there's, there's all different versions of the Bible, too. If you don't understand the older versions, there's, there's a versions, translations that are more modern. And, and so there's really no reason except for that we just don't want to. But you know what? You find Jesus in the word. Come on, I want to challenge you this week to get into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at the life of Jesus, what he did, how he talked, and learn something about Christ. Come on. It means you're going to have to take some time to do that. And it means you're going to have to trust that even though you don't understand everything you read in the moment, God is planting his word inside of your heart. Amen. The discipline of prayer and meditation. This is powerful to talk to God, to have a conversation with God, and to shut up for a while and listen to what he has to say. Oh, man. If you have a long drive to work, turn whoever you li- turn Jay-Z off or whatever you listen to for a while. Every once in a while, just sit in silence and let God speak to you. <laughs> you know why you don't hear God a lot of times? Because you're too busy with noise. You're talking, uh, you're the TV or the radio or whatever's got you consumed and you don't hear God's voice because you've got everything else turned up to 10. But if we would just stop in prayer and meditation, we would hear the voice of Jesus speak to our lives. Come on. We would hear God speak to us. The discipline of worship. That is to rejoice and praise God and worship him and be glad and and to express that. You don't have to worship God for 15 minutes at the first part of Sunday service. Some of the best worship you're going to have is when you're uh, alone in your home or in your car or on your break at work. There's times where I'm in a public place and it's hard for me to not speak out loud. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Worship him. The discipline of fellowship. You were meant for the church and the church was meant for you. Now, I know there are a lot of people trying to get around this. But Paul said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You know why that is? Because that's the way God designed the church. We are the body of Christ. We are members of it. And, and if you think you don't need the church because there's too many hypocrites in the church. Or I don't like what the preacher said. Or I don't like that new music. Or I don't like where they're meeting. Oh, I just got nosy, didn't I? Come on. If everything isn't exactly like I like it, then I'm just not going to go. You know what you're like? You're like a pinky finger part of the body over there trying to do stuff all on your own. A little pinky running around trying to be yourself. You know what? A pinky can't eat because they don't have a mouth. A pinky can't see because they don't have eyes. A pinky can't do. And so you will never be who you need to be in Christ when you get apart from the body. Let me tell you something else. The devil wants you to get away from the fellowship of believers. You know why? For the same reason that a lion tries to isolate one from the herd. Because he knows if he can get you alone, he can eat you alive. Mm -hmm. But he knows if you're with the herd, when the 
crazy thoughts come to your mind, they're going to say, wait a minute, stop that. Let's just get in touch with Jesus and pray and everything's going to be all right. Hallelujah. How many times did you resist coming to church? Your flesh said, I don't want to go, but you got up and went anyway. And when you got there, you had a bad attitude and you looked at the world like everything was falling apart. Then somewhere in the middle of praise and worship or in prayer, Derek spoke a word into your life and all of a sudden you realize it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. Amen. You know why? Because there is safety, protection, and comfort in the herd. You need the church. You need the fellowship of believers. The discipline of loving others in the practice of being like Jesus was. Come on, you got to be intentional about loving others. Once again, if you're not intentional, then you're probably just loving people out of your emotions. In other words, when you feel loving, then you act loving. But what happens to the opposite of that is when you don't feel loving... You act like an idiot. Come on, am I alone? I can be a real jerk in the flesh. I can. I can, I can be a smart And the, the bad thing with me, God help me, is I'm just smart enough to be a smart aleck, right? I, I'm not smart enough to send rockets into space, but I'm smart enough to be a smart aleck if I'm in the flesh. That's why I need to trust in the discipline of loving others. Sometimes I like to just buy stuff for people. If I'm at Starbucks, I might buy somebody something, and they think I'm crazy. But, you know, a lot of times I do that not because they don't have the money. Obviously, they have the money there at Starbucks, right? <clears throat> I do it because when I do good things for other people without cause, I'm more of the person that I should be. Come on. Some of you, you're going to go out to lunch today, and I want to challenge you to do this. You're going to go out to lunch, you're going to have a meal, and when you're done, I want you to tell the waitress and go to the manager and tell them every good thing you experienced that day, because usually all they hear is the bad stuff, and every good meal is just another person going out the door, but I want to encourage you to say something positive and compassionate about your service and your meal at lunch today, and watch the reaction of people that don't know what to do with that. Because you are living the life that Jesus lived by loving others. Come on, come on, come on, come on, somebody. These are the disciplines. These are the things that your flesh doesn't want you to do. Your flesh doesn't want you to read the Bible. You don't need to read the Bible. pastor's going to preach Sunday, and you can just know what he preached. But I would ask you right now, how many of you know what book of the Bible I actually preached from today? There's a couple. Good, good, good. A lot of times, I'll be honest, I'll study and then I don't even remember what book of the Bible I'm preaching out of today. I have to look it up because our flesh is weak. Your flesh is going to say, you don't need all that. Pastor's going to preach and that's all you need. But the truth is, you've got to push past that. Do what the Spirit says. Get in the Word. Get in prayer. Meditate. Spend time in worship. Get in the fellowship of believers. Get in the practice of loving others and trying to be like Jesus. These are the things that get us into the presence of God so that we hear his voice and we see his face and we feel his touch and we behold his glory. And when we behold his glory, God does something miraculous in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something in 2020? The purpose that you need to pursue is knowing Jesus. The person that you really need to be is in knowing Jesus. This should be your number one goal. So I wonder today, how will we be changed if we hear his voice in 2020? Come on, open your mind for just a minute. How will your life be changed if you know him more? If you hear him more, if you feel his touch, I wonder. 
as I was studying for this message, I began to get spiritually excited as I began to wonder when I get to the end of 2020 what I will have experienced in Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 What peace will I find? Hallelujah. Some of you are praying you won't have any problems in 2020. I'm not praying that. I'm praying that even in the worst storm, I have peace. I have that walking on water, sleeping in the boat kind of peace. Hallelujah. That kind of peace like Jesus had when you walk up to a funeral, everybody's crying, and Jesus is just like, roll away the stone. (laughs) What kind of peace will I find in 2020 if I pursue Jesus? What kind of joys will I experience if I pursue Jesus? Will I know the joy that is consistent and constant no matter what happens to me? What kind of power will I possess? Listen, I can pray for people, and I've seen miraculous things happen. And there are times that God speaks to me, and he puts the burden on on my heart, and I feel what people are going through. And as I begin to pray, it begins to get released. And it's in those prayer times that I know God is doing a work in people's lives But you know what? I want more. I want more power. Hallelujah. I want more of his power for his purpose. I wonder today if we pursue Jesus this year, if we make that the primary goal of our lives to know him, what mysteries we will uncover. Hallelujah. There's so much about Jesus that you don't know. So much about his word that he hasn't yet revealed to you. And he's just waiting for you to step into his presence hungry. And he's, he's going to begin to show you more things and give you more strength and give you more power and bless you more. You're going to become uh, more aware of how much he loves you and how great he is. And, and the wonder of who God is and how he fits in your heart. What mysteries will be uncovered as we pursue Jesus with all of our hearts in 2020? I wonder what kind of people will be, what kind of church we'll have, what kind of city this will be, what kind of life you will live if you make your number one goal in this year to know Jesus, to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I want you all to stand with me now. Hallelujah, Jesus.